on something, right? He's looking real big, that, slow. That's a guy, yeah, somebody call uh, somebody call Cedric Alexander because uh, <laughs> Big Swole is loose in yeah, Ring of Honor. There you go. He's a, uh, it's, it's kind of a, we'll talk about this maybe later, right? It's, it's wild that he was in the WWE system twice. Yeah. And, and most recently when he was jacked beyond belief. And he, uh, jacked to the gills. But, wasn't you know. Wasn't I don't it. get it. He, I, like, I like EC3. I know you don't. I do not like EC3 at all, actually. But, listen. Former Impact Champion. If you get over somewhere else, you can get over in WWE. So, he, he did. No, <laughs> but it's Just yeah, try, right? motherfucker, to get over at WWE after you get well, yeah, over yeah. somewhere else. Well, my point, though, is right, like, it's not his fault that he he didn't succeed in the ways that he probably wanted to. Or at all. No, it's not It's not his fault at all. It was a, it was a cursed situation. If you guys don't know yet, this episode is about... Come on, do you Triple H? N X T. Okay. Yeah. We are N X T. Now do your regal. War games. There you go. Uh, this episode is about sunshine. Do you? How do you feel about the NXT name? What does it mean? I think it means next, right? But it's letters. Yeah, because they're idiots. So. We're we're doing an episode about NXT, and we're we're having a lot of fun here today. We want to talk about Scott. More. We're having a lot of fun here today. Oh, Scott Halal. That's such a good name. I always forget that I'm Scott Halal. Sometimes <laughs> I'm still Al Brown <laughs> or Mal Brown. Now you're Mal Brown, right? Today's the day. Yeah, we're having a, we're having a good time. We're having a good time. We had uh, fried chicken. We had fried chicken. Yep, we had a lot of fried chicken. We we got CM Punk coming up tonight. Allegedly. Allegedly. Silly Philly in the house. It's it's it, it just hit eight. I can't talk. The it's clock a, struck eight. Yes, it's eight oh seven. Uh, SmackDown is on. We're not watching it. No, we're not. NXT Takeover is this Sunday. Yep. Uh, SummerSlam is tomorrow for, for some, some reason. reason. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a pretty big weekend. Yeah. So we we decided to record today mm-hmm. with you know ten p.m. being a pretty significant start time for uh, for Rampage. Uh, silly Philly might be waiting in the wings. And uh, somebody else too. Yeah, somebody else allegedly. There's uh, rumors of another surprise of some kind. So. Fingers crossed for Glacier. You know I love Glacier. Uh, I like Mortis. <laughs> Who better? Uh, literally nobody. So, like I said, mm-hmm. we are having a lot of fun here tonight, but it's also a somber occasion because NXT is dying. It's very dead. It's near death. It's yeah on death's door on life support maybe. Yeah. Well, no life support. Would imply that somebody's trying to save it, right? I guess Hunter's trying to save it. Hunter and his boys, right? Hunter, Billy Regal, Sean. Uh, isn't Road Dog in the, down there as well? Road Dog. Like those guys, Hunter's like A team. Yes. His fun boys, his mm-hmm. squad are trying to save NXT, and apparently nobody else gives a fuck. No, so I guess we could give like a very quick yeah. summary of the last like few weeks of NXT. It's been catastrophic. Yes. Uh, so NXT, I, I consider 205 Live part of NXT. Yeah. They, because it, it's, a, it's all the same kind of talent. In the last uh, roughly month, the WWE who have been releasing people left and right. Left, right, and center. Uh, Willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. Silly-filly Willy-nilly. Two weeks ago, I believe it was, it was uh, during SmackDown, Adam Cole was actually in town to meet with Mr. McMahon to discuss his contract status. Mm-hmm. And while he was in there, presumably, they released 13 to 14 NXT or, or 205 Live talents, essentially gutting all of 205 and a healthy amount of the NXT roster, One. some of which were people in 
relatively prominent spots, like a uh, people in storylines. Tyler Rust, who was in Diamond Mind with uh, Roderick Strong, and um, essentially uh, the axe came down. Mm-hmm. And Larry the axe. Larry, Larry the axe, or the other axe guy. What's the other axe guy? Demolition axe. Yeah, that guy. So that was two weeks ago, and since then there have been all these like online scuttlebutt. The, the rumors or not only rumors of NXT changing direction. Yeah. And this is such a wild thing to have happen because until about two years ago, NXT was the hottest thing that WWE had going. They're going through a shift. Ch-ch-changes. Um, rumor has it, no more midgets, quote unquote. They want younger and taller and bigger. <laughs> right. Which is hilarious because Cameron Cross is not young, but he is tall and he is relatively big considering. He's relatively big and relatively tall. Yeah. He's not that big. I mean, he's relatively, like, compared what to. Is the it rest like 6'2? He's like a punk size, yeah. He's like, he's like 6'2, 240. Yes. Right? Which is, like, smaller than the average. Like, that's smaller than the road dog. <laughs> They don't make him like they used to. I guess not. Uh, Billy Gunn's gigantic. We yeah, thought Billy Gunn. Yeah, Billy Gunn. Gun, Billy Gunn was like the Dolph Ziggler of the Attitude Era, mm-hmm. and now he's in these. He's an AEW every once in a while. And he looks like fucking Kane. Dude, he's so big. <laughs> he's wide too. It's not even just he's tall. He's an enormous fucking man. He's bigger than Luchasaurus. They had that spot once, right? On a, on a they did like or yeah, they did like the Kane and Big Show face off yeah. thing, and I'm like, okay, but one of these guys is Billy Gunn. One of the smoking guns. My guy, my guy did wrestle Tanahashi on that, one of those New Japan and the U.S. shows, like, three, four years ago. Bill Gunn? Yeah, Bill Gunn. William Gunn. <laughs> um, anyways, so NXT. NXT, yeah. Let's so not, let's, let's not get... No, we, we can't. We gotta, we gotta stay focused, right? Yes. So look, here's the deal with NXT. Up until they went head-to-head with AEW, they had the most fan goodwill in all of WWE. It was the wrestling fans wrestling. It was... The brand to watch. It was where everybody wanted to go. It was the brand for artistic fulfillment. If you wanted to raise your profile. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did Forbidden Door shit before AEW existed. Sure, they brought in Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. I, I got to see Jushin Thunder Liger wrestle Tyler Breeze live because of the goodwill across the board that Triple H and his machine yes. were doing. We They were bringing guys from Evolve. They were doing... Of course, ultimately it all went to pot, but things were going well. And it seemed like if that was the direction that WWE was going to go in after Vince and his guys uh, shuffled off this mortal coil, then WWE was going to be in good shape. Yes. Because it seemed like Triple H and his team had a reasonable and responsible idea of how to book a wrestling show. Let's say, let's, let me ask you this. Yeah. Ask me. The original NXT run, and I don't mean the game show, we'll get to the game show in a second, but we'll call it the Performance Center era. Mm-hmm. From like 2012 to say 2015, 2016? Sure. Before the horse run all go up. Yeah. Right. I think... Maybe when Asuka leaves, you can kind of call that a hard yep. a hard boundary, right? Mm-hmm. So from the first NXT arrival, mm-hmm. which is the first live network special they have, yes. to the time when Asuka leaves, call that the golden era of mm-hmm. NXT. Is that the best wrestling product consistently, week to week, top to bottom, that WWE has put out in like the last 20 years? I would say yes with a caveat. NXT... I think you agree with me on this one. The The nice thing about NXT was you didn't need to watch every week. In fact, you know, the show was one hour long. It it wasn't must-see TV. It was, it was, I thought, good, but somewhat missable. It's not must, must-see TV, which uh, Dynamite has become. Dynamite is definitely must-see TV. But the nice thing about NXT is, like, stories built, stars were made, they, they got over. Um, people grew. People grew. Performers and characters grew. You, you don't have to look at anyone beyond your Charlottes, your Beckys, 
your Sasha's, like, when they first showed up on NXT, and then throughout their uh, time on that brand, you saw them come into their own. And so it did a really great job of, yes, developmental, but also presenting a show or a product that is, like, worth spending money on, right? The Granted, it was on the network, and you don't really pay for the network in the same ways as pay-per-view, but it, as you said, like, the goodwill was there, the, the, the streak of hot shows, hot matches were there. So, you know, in a very long-winded way, the answer is yes. But it, the thing that changed, and why I said there's a caveat there, is when they moved to two hours and they went on USA a few years later than 2016, things were starting to, I think, kind of break down. And, and I don't even think it's just the USA, I think it became a little bit self-indulgent. We can talk about those matches. Mm-hmm. But still, even in 2018-2019, NXT was still the hottest brand, uh, I think, in the world. You know, maybe outside of, like, maybe New Japan, because they were also pretty hot at the time. So I agree. I agree with what you're saying. And I guess now it would make sense to do a, kind of a quick recap mm-hmm. of WWE and their previous developmental systems. Let's do it. In the 90s, they started with Smoky Mountain. Mm-hmm. Then there's OVW. Yes. Then there's Deep South Wrestling. Deep South. Also F- Heartland, right? With Heartland. Thatcher. Yep. yep. Briefly. And then there was, of course, FCW. And FCW is the one that kind of ultimately metamorphoses into, into mm-hmm. NXT. And all of these were kind of variations on a theme, right? You have an old-school promoter, like you said, Les Thatcher, uh, Jim Cornette. This well-respected wrestling promoter slash wrestling veteran slash mind for the business. Trainer. Trainer, right. You give this person some lumps of clay, and he helps mold them into something that you can use. Yes. Some of these relationships were more official than others. Mm -hmm. I think there are some people who would argue that even to a degree, the original ECW was, was about, a little bit was, of a feeder system. I was about to say that ECW falls in the same window, same category as like an Evolve to some degree, you know, over the years. A lot of people pass through there on their way. Mm-hmm. Legendarily, the OVW class of like 2001, is it? Yeah, it's the Batista year. Batista, Cena, Shelton Benjamin, Randy Rock. Orton, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Right. That is an absurd number of world championships that's associated with one graduating class. Yes. If Shelton Benjamin, who's had a fucking 20-year career and won titles everywhere he's been, yep. and, like, in... That motherfucker was in Suzuki Gun. Like, what are you doing? Yes, that's true. Shelton X Benjamin, right? How, what was the X? Is that, like, a Malcolm X thing? Is that <laughs> racist for me to say? It could be. Um, so, yeah, if Shelton's your least successful guy, yeah, he... Had a, has amassed so much success that something's going well. Right. But FCW, the final FCW show, which I think, is that the Moxley versus Regal really? match? I think it might be. That sounds right. But a lot of the people in place in FCW mm-hmm. would eventually roll over into NXT. Yes. Which was rebranded, or I guess they s- took the branding from a weird they, game show. They repurposed the IP yeah. for developmental, is maybe the way you want to phrase that. Yeah, now, interestingly enough, we talked about the old ECW being a feeder system. Mm-hmm. For a while, WWE revived ECW and used it a lot like NXT was used for a while, as a third brand that's... It's has a world championship, sure. whatever, but it's clearly second tier, sure. right? Uh, the issue with ECW, WWE, ECW, was that it just felt unimportant, and when that is like the stink, it's really hard for even like a hardcore fan to be like, oh yeah, I want to watch this. WWE, ECW, was a probably very good show because if you look at the quality of performers that were on it. Goldust Christian, who I know you don't like, but I love. Mark Henry, Silly Philly, John Morrison. Kozlov. Kozlov. Regal. Vance Archer, not Lance Archer. <laughs> Vance. Vance. 
Vance Archer with yeah. his weird crew cut. Uh, Tyler Rex was on there, I think. Miz. Miz was there. Morrison. There were a lot of uh, Big Daddy V. Big Daddy V. Who I loved Big Daddy V. I don't, like. Yeah. I was I was here for that. I was never a fan. That I didn't like Viscera, but I liked that Big Daddy V. So it very quickly became just kind of a second tier sure. show. But if I had to guess, it was probably quite similar to NXT when it was popular, which is. Kind of simplified booking, mm-hmm. stripped down. You have people with experience working with people with less experience, yeah. developing characters. Zack Ryder came from there. Matt Cardona, now GC Dub. Yeah, champion. exactly right. So my point is that after a while, they they kind of it ran its course and they decided they were going to kill it. And they replace it on the Sci-Fi Network yes. with a show called NXT, which is a game show. They don't tell you really it's a game show, though. But it's a game show. Oh, it's 1,000% a game show. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that episode of ECW where I think Vince is on. I remember watching it, and I was very excited about this new show. How stupid of me. But it was was Vince. He's like, all right, next week uh, or in two weeks, whatever. It's a new concept in sports entertainment. And uh, it's going to be called NXT. And there were online reports that it's going to be, you know, as it says, rookies and, and pros... They don't, like, I didn't know it was a game show until it was a game show. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, the idea is you pair a rookie and a pro, Mm -hmm. and, like, that's not a bad idea, right? If you ran, like, a tag team tournament or something, right? You had, like, a ranking system. Like, it could be an interesting concept. Like, I would trust AEW with a concept like that. Sure. But in practice, NXT was, like, a weird game show. And it was like Matt Stryker sticks a microphone in your face and says, you have 30 seconds to cut a promo about butt plugs. And then you got to be like, well, I'm going to be the The best butt plugger ever. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And it essentially becomes this horrible, cringy experience. You're watching people fail on live television. It's not helping anyone. No. It takes a lot of people who very clearly have potential and shits on them. Let's go, let's go, I don't mean to interrupt, let's go through the cast of the first season. Wade Barrett was a rookie, his pro was Chris, Chris Jericho. Jericho. Let me see if I remember these pros. Yes, go for it. David Otunga. R-Truth? Yes. Justin Gabriel. Matt Hardy. Heath Slater. Christian. Darren Young. Darren Young. Darren Young. You can visualize it, trust me. Nope, lost it. Silly Philly. What, CM Punk? That's CM right. CM Punk was his, uh... That's right. Yeah. Skip Sheffield, or Ryback, for those uninitiated. The Vanilla Gorilla. I don't like that. Regal. Yes. That's right. Uh, I was going to say, I don't fucking remember. It was Bill Regal. You know one of them is obvious. I'm not going to give you that one yet. Michael Tarver. He has relatives in the business. Primo yeah. Cologne? Okay. Who, who's like the most famous Colon? Carlito? Yes. And then uh, Daniel Bryan. Paired with The Miz. Yes, which was an ultimate troll job. Yes. Which I think tells you what was going on, on that, in that show, which was we're going to troll a little bit, and we're going to put out these talents to be, you know, sink or swim, I guess, is the idea. But often... You're going to be humiliated. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fill your pockets with stones, and then it's sink or swim. Yeah. So that that first season, I'm, I, that first two seasons, I was pretty excited about. You had uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, uh, let's go to Loki. Loki. I actually can I tell you something? I actually really enjoyed the second season. I enjoyed the fuck out of Dolph Ziggler in the second season because he clearly mm-hmm. was just having fun with the show. So the second season, we get Dolph Ziggler. With first Jacob Novak. Who? Jacob Novak. He was like this brother love looking dude, this tall pink guy, and he had like a white blazer. And I will never forget Dolph Ziggler. He lost a match, and Dolph Ziggler quit being his pro. And he's like, You are nothing but a blazer from Express! (laughs) Which was fucking great. And then Dolph Ziggler utters the immortal line, I don't want you anymore. I want a winner. I want. Byron Saxton. Okay, you sure that's season two? I thought it was season two. Uh, season three is the women. Uh, let's go through season two real quick here. I'm not going to go the pros. Caval, Michael McGillicuddy, Alex Riley, Husky Harris. Uh-huh. 
Percy Watson, Lucky Cannon. <laughs> it looked like a really jacked up Adam Cole. Eli Cottonwood. <laughs> and I don't Ty- have a mustache. Titus <laughs> O'Neil. So real quick here, either everyone on this page on Wikipedia for season two has a blue text, which means they have a page. Yeah. The only one who doesn't, Eli Cottonwood. He's done nothing in the biz besides the mustache promo. Um, but Husky Hatter for the Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Interesting. So, NXT comes back as a TV show, as a game show, sorry. I watched the first season. CM Punk's on it. I'm going to watch. Yep. Second season, I watched because of, you know, some of the names listed. And for but, season three, CM Punk meets his wife. Uh, during commentary. He was yep. doing commentary. He listens. I love hot women. What he, what, uh, God, what did he say? I hate this, Josh, but I love women, and here we go. Something like that. <laughs> look uh, at him go, I think he said. Yeah, look, look at him go. <laughs> he, he killed it on commentary, that that brief time. So, NXT for several years there, 2010 to 2011 ish. Like, because they have multiple seasons each year. So, yeah. like, it's weird. And then they ran, they eventually, like, runs out of steam and becomes a weird ass comedic Redemption. soap opera. Redemption. Yeah, where it's like, and that I should really go back and watch because it's just like Fandango and EC3, yes. like, chloroforming each other. And there's, like, weird romance plot lines with yeah. Caitlyn and uh, my girl Maxine. Oh, from Luch Underground. Absolutely. Yeah. Katrina. She's, she's not ugly. <laughs> she is not. No. So, that NXT is on life support. It's like, it's there. It's now on the, it's on, it's on the web. They moved it off TV. Yeah. A- after the first, after the second season, they, they really, really lose interest in it. By the third season, CM Punk is on the show, actively making fun of the show the whole time, like, like he's Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. Straight up sitting there in a blazer and his wrestling trunks. Beautiful. With the, the tag visibly hanging out of the sleeve, like... Visibly shitting on the show. So yeah, Michael Cole like ringing a yeah. gong through Matt. Like it's very clear that WWE hates this show yes. and hates these performers. So timeline here. The Nexus debuts in I think June or July of 2010. So this is the first season uh, of contestants. Uh, get a bit of a push on the on you know the like a monster push huge push. Uh, eventually, you know, they, they don't have a push anymore. <laughs> it takes like <laughs> two months, yeah. Yeah. And then you see these NXT, former NXT contestants, either stay with the Nexus or go into singles programs. They change leaders from Wade Barrett to CM Punk. Punk does the bite bomb. Get, so that then the Nexus is dead. Yeah. Because he gets too big for them. So they right. give up on the idea. I think the NXT... Seasons are still going on, but no one's paying attention. And then, you know, now we, we end up in 2012. Right before, you, before we know it, we're in 2012. And NXT gets rebranded. Or, sorry, FCW, which has existed this entire time, prior to the NXT show, it gets rebranded to NXT. FCW, all the trainers, all the trainees, yes. make the transition over to NXT, Production moves into Full Sail University, and we get the Performance Center, which is this state-of-the-art facility. You've got gyms, you've got promo classes, you've got Dusty Rhodes teaching promo classes, right? You've got William Regal teaching psychology. You've got, right, so uh, Norman Smiley, right? You've got this incredible core of wrestling knowledge, Mm -hmm. more concentrated than you had back in the old days where it's like, Here's OVW, Jim Cornette's in the office, and Steve Kieran is out here, yeah. right? It's like, it's a much more concentrated and focused attempt to build talent and develop talent, mm-hmm. polish these guys, right? Yeah. And we also get, we get an established pipeline, right? We're going to bring people into the Performance Center. We're going to teach them until they're ready to be on NXT, mm-hmm. which is only on the network. It's not a televised show yet. Yep. But as they learn production, as they learn shit like where the hard cam is, as they get better at promos, right, they'll debut, then we'll polish their character, and then when they're ready, we'll promote them to our main roster. Yes. There's an established pipeline, right? We get to see these performers grow. We get to see Mm -hmm. them develop. And for a while, it works really, really well. Yes. At least it seems to. The Performance Center is meant to... 
they say meant to create stars from athletes. From the ground up. From the ground up. And historically, now that it's been nine years or, you know, eight, nine years, who are those success stories? And in, in that conversation comes up, comes with, well, who did they who, sign? Right. So very quickly, we get this idea that there's going to be two streams of talent into NXT. There's going to be performance center trainees yes. who have no experience with wrestling. They're going to be athletes or they're going to be even like Enzo Amore wasn't even an athlete. He was just like a guy, right? Like he might've been a high school football player or something, but he was not an athlete. He was not a professional athlete. No, no. I mean, not a high level athlete. Okay. Simon Gotch. <laughs> but Simon Gotch is a guy who was a, an indie guy. Yes. Right. So you have people coming in, indie guys, who are working with and teaching yes. these people who you're, you're building from the ground up. Now, to your point, NXT very quickly became more about the indie guys you were signing yes. than the people you were building from the ground up. Yes. So that means, just very quickly, and in, in, in once they get on the network, right, NXT becomes the place where, a, you know, a Prince Devitt, Finn Balor, Kenta... Uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, uh, eventually Adam Cole. Like these are the the level of Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, who had been around for like fifteen years, who never got a real look, was a free agent, and was hired. I think, to your point about building guys from the ground up, was probably hired as like a player coach because yes. he is older and he looks the way that he looks. Is that main you know, is that main roster uh, uh, appeal to to us? Yes, but not to the guy it matters to. So they hire these you know young indies talent as well as more established veterans like a Bobby Roode as well. What I think ends up happening is there really isn't this like huge you know lineup of ground up performance center performers. Right. Well, sure, and why would you expect that? Because Adam Cole is a multiple-time Ring of Honor champion. Samoa Joe, Ring of Honor but champion. But, dude, if you're seven foot tall, you can't teach that. Okay? Fair. So let's talk about the guys who had no... who The real Performance Center success stories. Okay. Baron Corbin. Sure. Braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. Enzo, to a degree. Sure, yes. Alexa Bliss. Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. Big E, technically. Big E, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, these are all people who were athletes who came through the performance center. Yeah. They learned to they learned to wrestle, mm-hmm. and they are the success stories. However, I hate to be so pessimistic, but this is kind of like a post mortem of NXT. It feels like it, right? If we're looking at where things went wrong, where things started to go wrong, mm-hmm. until very recently, I think you and I both would have said that things started to go wrong. The problem in the pipeline was the stars being made in NXT were being fed into the main roster and then there's a glut and uh, a stoppage of talent. I think the problem goes back further than that when you're bringing in talent. Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, too, by the way. Yeah. American Alpha. Yeah. Otis. Yeah. But we're talking about, what did I say, 10 names? Out of Probably. hundreds of people who've been on NXT over the years. Yeah. And most of the people who reach the highest level are Bobby Roode, former Impact Champion. Nakamura, former... New Japan. Uh, New Japan. Wrestling, IWTP, yeah. Right. Finn Balor. Finn Balor, right. Multiple-time uh, junior heavyweight champion. Seth Rollins, Ring of Honor champion. Yeah, it's all just dudes who made their names elsewhere who were already... Polishing, Polish, yeah. you know, polishing their craft. Yeah. Even guys who were not major champions, a Pack or a Sami Zayn, yep. who were not Ring of Honor champion or a PWG champion or whatever, they certainly came in as relatively polished performers, and they were told, we are polishing you, we are getting you ready to perform on Monday Night Raw or whatever, which also turned out not to be true. No. But... That's, I think, where the first cracks start to show. But for a long time, it was the best show WWE was putting together. 
the best weekly show. It's an hour long for most of it, which is the perfect time for a roster of that size. Mm -hmm. And I will say this until I am blue in the face, what made NXT work during the golden age was that characters had some place to go. There was an end to their story. And I think a lot of what is wrong with, and we've talked about the problems with WWE booking ad nauseum now, Mm -hmm. including once for like four hours that we had to edit down. I I had to edit down to an hour. But... There's no place for a character to go when you're done with them. And it's very hard to come up with something for that character to do when you're not using them. Yes. So WWE seems to get tired of this character and just throw them on the floor. Mm. NXT, when they were done with the character, would move them on up to the the main roster. And the character had a send-off, and it was emotional, mm-hmm. and eventually that, you know, the magic wore off there because we realized that, oh, it's worse on the main roster. Oh, it's way worse. It's way worse. So, as an NXT fan, and I got into NXT real big around, like, 2013. Okay. I didn't see, I wasn't watching when the first arrival happened, mm-hmm. but I came in right around uh, Fatal 4-Way. That's 2014, isn't it? Is it? Because the first... NXT TakeOver, whatever show... Arrival. Arrival, sorry, was early 2014 before the Elimination Chamber. I remember the timeline because it's when Punk leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when the net, network came So, yeah, early 2014, to your point. Yeah, so that's when I came in and I fell in love with the stripped-down nature mm-hmm. of the show. It was not ridiculously overproduced. It felt genuine because you could tell that these people were trying. They're trying new things. They're growing as performers. And I got to see sides of people like Tyson Kidd that I never got to see on the main roster. Mm -hmm. You find out, holy shit, Tyson Kidd has a personality? Tyson Kidd is funny as hell? Yeah. I'll never forget the promo where he was, for Fatal 4-Way, where he was talking about his opponents. And he goes, I am in there with one of the greatest athletes in Canada today. I am in there with one of the most handsome men currently working. And I am in there with one of the most incredible high flyers in the ring. And also Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville, and Tyler Breezer in the match. <laughs> and it was fucking great. Yeah. And like early NXT Enzo Amore, fucking hysterical. Amazing. They used to do these fun vignettes. I remember. Um, all kinds of characters would so have fun vignettes. Carmella, like a hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Carmella was a hairdresser, and uh, they uh, she had this weird like hair foam that would make you bald, and they spilled it on a dog, yes. and she got fired from her job at Hair. That was the name of the hair salon. It was yeah. called Hair, just all caps. That makes sense. But NXT was fun. It was goofy. It was lighthearted. Yes. But there was also genuine emotion. Like I remember Sami Zayn in his quest to win the NXT championship from Neville, who was a babyface, but was not afraid to bend the rules if it would help him keep the title. And he was kind of, he was kind of like, Sammy, 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 don't you know that you'll never get too far. He he wasn't, Hey Sammy, to succeed in this business, you're going to have to learn how to be a piece of shit. And the storyline was about Sammy rejecting that notion. Yeah. Rejecting the idea that he would have to become a shitty person to be successful. And ultimately, he was proven correct. He had the opportunity to cheat against Neville. He did not. He won the match clean. Mm-hmm. They embrace after the match. And it was this great, like beautiful moment. And then Kevin Owens ruined it. Yes, he did. But these were... Great, simple stories. The kind of stuff we see in AEW today. Yes. Stories that have a beginning, a middle, and an end. We see a character grow. We're not confused about what the fuck they're doing or where things are going. It's something different each week. And that shouldn't have been a novelty, but it was. Let's talk about the call-ups. We'll talk about the call-ups. We don't need to spend too much time on it, but I can't think of a call-up. Beyond the first, maybe, couple of appearances that led to a sustained... The four horsemen are kind of it, right? But even then, right? like Just Charlotte. Charlotte was the only one that was protected immediately. 
and inconsistently protected. Becky had to turn heel on the B show against Charlotte to to get as over as she had become. Bailey, my God, Bailey and Sasha had like a go of it on on the main roster. They beat fucking they beat Bailey in her hometown to Alexa Bliss, who, again, to your point, was a like ground up. Like we, I think we've talked about this, right? Like, there's a weird, like, I think conspiracy theory, which I think is legit, which is Vince doesn't like pushing the established NXT acts that Hunter pushed or liked. Instead, he, you know, hitches wagon on your Braun Strowman's, your Alexa Blisses, Elias, Elias. Uh, those type of performers were the ones who got stronger pushes for longer periods of time than your Griffin Ballers uh, or, or, you know, whoever. So, you know, who got it real fucking bad? The Ascension. Yeah, man. That might have been the worst one, right? That was fucking There, there were jokes from the jump. I remember when the uh, the Viking Raiders, or whatever the fuck they call them now, <laughs> showed up on Raw, and they were the Viking experience. <laughs> yes. And I remember thinking, like, oh, it's over for them. I was depressed. This was 2019, I think. Uh, I was so depressed that, that that's what happened to them. And this is, this is after, like, three, four years of, again, knowing what the track record was. And so what ends up happening, I think, is it... it Trickles down. NXT. No, these guys are cool here, but don't get too invested. Right. Um, because the moment they go up there, they're probably screwed. And, you know, I can't think of, like, a, a time when that's not been the case. Fucking Karen Cross is their champion. He looks the way that you would think they would want somebody to look. And he loses half his matches... They, they strip in, away. In seconds. In seconds. They sh- to a guy who wasn't even on Raw for like months. They strip away everything about the guy that's interesting, which is his fiance. An entrance. An entrance. That's all he is. That's all he is. That's all he is. And, you know, the, this, this is maybe where we can get into, if you don't mind, what's going on backstage. Because there seems to be, if you believe whatever the online reports are saying, something's up between Nikon, Vince, Bruce Pritchard, Johnny Ace, that camp, and the Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Road Dog, NXT camp. And those two camps are not getting along well. There's some Game of Thrones shit going on here, I think, of establishing uh, positions of power and undermining other people. And so Cross... Losing it is said to be this sort of like, yeah, like they're, a fuck you to Hunter. And it's not just it's not just a loss. It is a gelding on yes. television. Yes. So, and, and because Cross had defeated all of the top NXT guys yes. leading into this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he defeated Finn Balor, he defeated Adam Cole, he defeated Johnny Gargano, he defeated Tommaso Ciampa, he defeated, 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 yep. defeated, 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 right, and so. To just feed him to a randomly occurring Jeff Hardy in a minute 30 is, it's a calculated move. Yeah. So, yes, to your point, something is going on. And like we said, for a long time, it seemed like that Hunter and his guys were going to inherit the throne. Mm -hmm. Right, they were going to. The, this direction was going to be the WWE direction going forward. And I just had a, I just remembered something. What's that? It's about AEW, but it's about Hunter. Yeah. You know, was it double or nothing with Cody in the throne? Yes. And he breaks it, and we're yeah. like, oh man, it's kind of cheesy, but whatever. Two years later, man, he did. He broke the throne. <laughs> yeah. He dis- right now, he's broken the throne. And he, maybe- d- he fucking destroyed Hunter's future in that company. Yeah. Might have destroyed the future of that company if you really believe that Hunter's vision was sound. So, <laughs> let's talk about that destruction. Okay. A lot of people are kind of lionizing Hunter in that 
he never wanted NXT to be competition for something like AEW. That was never his vision. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably true, but he's no saint, right? No. Hunter did fully want to take over the whole indie scene and make it into NXT. Before AEW was Ring of Honor. Yeah. So uh, Hunter's plan, let's not be let's not let's be very clear about this. Mm-hmm. It sucks that Hunter saw his vision twisted and fucked up and you know, broken before him. But he was not a saint and he was not doing this for the sake of the business. He was he was doing this to try to take over a you know, make his own wrestling monopoly the same way that Vince did. So what he was trying to do was make this worldwide funnel into WWE. He wanted to do NXT Japan. He wanted to do NXT India, NXT UK. Mm-hmm. And NXT Mexico. UK, yeah, Mexico. But NXT UK is the only one they actually did, and it fucking killed the entire wrestling scene in the UK. Oh, it did, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So let's not be too generous to Hunter and say that everything would have been fine if he'd been allowed to do what he wanted to do. Oh, man. Yes. Remember that promo that he cuts? Which About your friend Mark? Yeah. He's not a saint. No. This is a guy who... For dec- you know, decades, on TV and in, in a backstage capacity, was undercutting, undermining other talents, and, and many of which are, are, you know, I don't know, compatriots of, uh, of the guys he ends up signing, right? Like your, your punks and Punk and Bryans and whoever else. So, you know, he's not a saint. It is unfortunate that his vision, I think, has been given up on. So... I mean, we, we talk about this sometimes, right, with, with Hunter, and we talk about his psychology. Mm-hmm. For a long time, he destroyed other people's careers in service of building his own legacy. Mm-hmm. Once NXT becomes his legacy, it looks on the surface to be less selfish, mm-hmm. but in fact what he's doing instead is instead of cutting down other performers to build his own legacy, he's destroying other promotions mm-hmm. to build his legacy. So, once again, Hunter, no saint, but for a brief, beautiful moment in time, his vision resulted in some truly, truly great wrestling shows, which you can't dispute. No. Um, an undisputed era, if you will. Okay. Which I think actually postdates the best part of NXT. 2017, yeah, I would say that's when NXT... And, but the undisputed era, I think, is maybe emblematic of when I started to lose interest in NXT. Because what happens is, it starts to become apparent that the main roster is not going to be accepting of what we are giving to them. Also, the stars coming up from the Performance Center are fewer and further between. Mm -hmm. And we start doing things like signing Andrade who's a very well-traveled, very experienced... He's got to be like a 15-year vet when they bring him in. Yeah. They give him a Performance Center t-shirt, and they're like, we're going to teach you how to wrestle. And it's yeah. like, all right, well, he fucking knows. He's La Sombra. He's Tommy End. Right, right. Like, the list goes on. And right, and we start to see these people get hired, and they, like, work in the Performance Center for a couple weeks, and they're like, all right, we're going straight to TV. And then it becomes this thing where, well, is it really developmental? Right? And then the question becomes... If NXT isn't developmental, what is it? Because people are still starting here, mm-hmm. and they're allegedly moving up to the main roster, but yeah. then NXT starts touring. They move to two hours. So let's, let's talk about that. The touring and moving to two hours coincides with the, the announcement, the TV deal, the everything about AEW. Uh, AEW is a real thing. It's going to be on TNT beginning October 2nd, I think. October 9th, whichever. And what did you know it? NXT coming to the USA Network two or three weeks before AEW Dynamite. Right. So Vince McMahon at the time, Vince doesn't know much about NXT. Mm -hmm. I don't think he knows now. I don't think he knew then. But what happens is the guy knows that he has a hot property 
And the hardcore fans love NXT. So he thinks that he's going to put NXT, and at this time he trusts Hunter, I think. I think he legitimately thought that Hunter and his vision were going to squash AEW. And does that happen? Uh, Q, Daniel Bryan, no. <laughs> it, it doesn't. And, 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 and it doesn't in, in a wild fashion. Like, it's, it's pretty much a beating for about a year and a half. Yeah. And we watched... First show. The first show. We watched the first NXT and the first AEW side-by-side. The head-to-head. Well, the, the head-to-head. NXT had been off for a couple weeks, but yeah. We watched the head-to-head yes. together. And that is the last episode of NXT that I watched live. That is the last full episode of NXT I watched live, yeah. Or so, even even on delay. So, I mean, I've gone back and watched stuff. If it's, if it's a good match, I'll watch it. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, Champa versus uh, Walter or something, right? Sure. Like, we're not going to miss that. But, and I'm so you know, we'll still watch a takeover, right? But I, yes, I may not watch this weekend, but yes, your point is there. But NXT is almost entirely usurped as a weekly watch by AEW. If you were trying to convince me to choose between the two, congratulations, you did. I chose AEW. Yeah. And a lot of people did. Yes. And that is not helped by the fact that AEW consistently feels fresh, whereas NXT started to feel very stale. And that is due to a number of factors. Number one is the fact that the call-ups stop happening Mm -hmm. as frequently. And as much as guys like Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa are big stars and people love them Mm -hmm. they are starting to feel a little long in the tooth yes and part of what used to make NXT feel fresh was that nobody was around long enough to feel stale yeah now the primary thing that everybody loved or especially I don't want to talk about everybody but the primary thing that I loved about NXT which was watching performers grow and watching them move on Mm -hmm. is gone that was the heart and soul of NXT, that arc, watching mm-hmm. somebody grow, right? So where the fuck is Johnny Gargano growing? Where's Adam well, Cole growing? Inside Candace. Okay. Really, that that was too much. Congratulations, Johnny and Candace, and your dog, Podme. I hate that family. <laughs> what are they gonna name this kid? Fucking Obi Wan or? Dude, it's Kylo. Kylo. Kylo Gargano, come on. And Kylo Riley is the Godfather. Yo, <laughs> that's good. Okay, maybe I'm okay with the family now. <laughs> um, but to your point about talents getting stale and not going anywhere after a certain point, like what do you do? And so this gets into the a, 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 a larger conversation of like talent hoarding, right? So you can't talk about NXT, you can't talk about the PC without talking about talent hoarding and the fact that they signed. Pretty much everyone for a few few years there and did nothing with them. Like, all due respect to Keith Lee, who we love. I love Keith Lee. Love Keith, Keith Lee. Lee, prior to that Survivor Series, uh, 2019, which we should probably talk about that period of time of NXT, he, I mean, he was on TV, but he was like a, an aimless character because you had your Adam Coles and whoever else. So, they signed in without any real fucking plan. He gets over in the Survivor Series match. Then then it's like, okay, we'll, we'll do something with them. They put the title on him. Then he, they take it off of him five weeks later. And he's on the main roster. And then, you know, the story of Keith Lee is what it is. And, like, Keith Lee's, like, a, a good example of them signing someone. There's, I mean, all due respect to a Trey Baxter or Blake Christian, whatever his name is, like, what are we doing? We're, we're, if you're, how do I say this respectfully, um, who are you signing and why are you signing them for? To the, to Nick Khan's point maybe, right? Is like, and Vince's point, what are we doing here? Right. You, you sign a Keith Lee and you're not too sure what to do with him either. You sign a Trey Baxter, what are you doing with them? And 
So what ends up happening, uh, as we know, two weeks ago, they cut all these talents. Uh, this is after years of call-ups that don't go anywhere that they don't do anything with, so they're just on the roster. And they probably re-signed them a year ago, or two years ago, yeah. when AEW was uh, uh, starting up and they wanted to get everyone on deals. Gallows and Anderson never went to NXT. Went straight to the main roster. Signed those deals a couple years ago. And for major money, Hunter, you, you, yep. you hear about that story about Hunter? And like with the Good Brothers? He says uh, to them in a meeting, you know, you should sign these contracts because who knows if they're going to be around. Here, you know, we'll be around and we're like family. <laughs> and then a year later, they yeah, get cut. They get cut. So, there's nothing wrong with getting rid of talents you're not using. That makes perfect sense. AEW should do the same thing. It's it's an important part of the of the wrestling ecosystem. Drew McIntyre gets cut years ago, and then bounces back, has a killer career. Bobby Lashley too. Bobby Bob Lash, Christian Cage. Who? Christian Cage. I don't know. Who Impact is. Champion. Who? Instant Classic. Mm, Captain Charisma. Peeps. Creepy little bastard. Blue <laughs> Dot. Yeah. Uh, but yes, people need to be let go. It, it sucks, and and you know it's terrible. But if you talk to a number of the talents who do get released, uh, uh, Tommy End, Andrade, all these people who like, who on that day were probably upset, all tend to say get them motivated to stay in the business. One of the better things that that's happened to them. Right. It's it's an important part of the life cycle of a of a wrestler of a promotion, right? Mm-hmm. You need talent. You need somebody with some star power, some of that WWE stink. There's always going to be room in impact for somebody like that. There's going to be room in, in ring of honor for somebody like that. Mm-hmm. They can import some, impart some star power. They can learn something from the, the talent that they're working with a Matt Cardona for, mm-hmm. for, you know, for example, he's on WWE television for like 20 years. And now he's working independence and doing death matches and whatever the fuck and bringing a lot of eyes to that product and really reinventing himself along the way. So these things are important. They're painful momentarily, but it's a shakeup that's sometimes necessary for the performer and for the promotion, right? You can't just have this glut of a roster. Like the joke all the time is that NXT became Triple H's E-Fed. Well, it's a super indie, right? Like, it, it's... Yeah, it's like, well, the, all the top guys from all the promotions, but okay, but what do you do with a promotion full of top guys? Someone, someone's not going to be a top guy. Another thing that starts to happen during this time period, shine coming off NXT period, mm-hmm. is the over-reliance on the NXT main event formula. You mean the Shawn Michaels, the Johnny Shawn, Gargano, yeah, Tommaso Ciampa. Now we both we both love Shawn Michaels. Love the heartbreak kid. We me. both prefer Shawn to Bret. <laughs> That's what we're saying, right? No, I I really like Bret Hart. I know you do. I know you are not a fan. I'm not a fan of Bret. You know Brett. I love a boring ass wrestler. Uh huh. Look at some of my favorites: Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko. <laughs> I love a boring ass wrestler, but I will still say I'm a Sean guy over a Brett guy. Of course. And Sean, Sean Michaels gets his hands on the NXT style, which had been informed by the PW, PWG style, which also informs AEW, mm-hmm. right? This sort of uh, high spot, multiple high spot kickouts, mm-hmm. lots of super kicks. So obviously, Sean sees it and he's like, this is great. Sean's like, I plan emoji, I plan emoji, I plan emoji. <laughs> right. So, Sean sees it. Sean figures out that this is, or thinks this is what people like, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, this is every match. So, yes, I don't mean to interrupt, but he also inter- injects a Sean, very Sean Michaels thing, which is the, for lack of a better term, I'm sorry, I love you. Yes. Where it becomes melodramatic. Yes. And that, that to me is actually the problem. More so than the PWG side. That's the well, my, my opinion. Well, the PWG stuff, in the same way, it's not the worst thing in the world, in the same way that Adam Cole being around a lot isn't the worst thing in the world, but when it's combined with a ton of the same wrestlers, yep. and a lot of their matches start to feel the same, it's like, okay, well, I've already seen Johnny Gargano wrestle Adam Cole for 45 minutes. 
I already know they're going to hit a bunch of super kicks. Mm-hmm. I already know we're going to kick out of a top rope Canadian destroyer. I know we're going to do this. I know we're going to do this. I know every time they're going to sell like they're shocked that somebody kicked out of a top rope Canadian destroyer. Right. <laughs> Sean's Sean's also big on the like collapsing against the ropes oh after. My God, yeah. So you can see his fingerprints. He's like, more of this, more of this. Mm-hmm. Thinks it's working, but it's too much. You can have that, but it can't be every match, and it can't be. And and Sean himself has gone too far with it. Like the Triple H versus Undertaker Hell in a Cell match. Oh uh, yeah. Remember where Sean hit the super kick and Hunter hit him hit. Undertaker with the the pedigree and Sean sold it like he killed a man, mm-hmm. like he drops to his knees and like clutches his like ah like he's in the corner like yeah. can't believe I hit the guy right fucking the fucking uh, Man of Steel thing where Superman kills General Zod oh, and he's God. like <laughs> like Sean it's Undertaker you've kicked him many times this this the style is is overdone. Uh, and I don't know if we are the minority. I don't know. I don't think we are, but it becomes grating and, and I think exposed. Um, because I think it's exposed because it's the same guys. It's the same guys it's doing the same, the same, same stuff. Dudes. Yeah. Gargano, Ciampa, Cole, and I'm probably missing someone. Balor? He comes back for a year. Yeah, but I mean, this was an issue before Balor. So, I well, don't know. The whole else. Undisputed Era. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the one guy, I will say, we don't talk about him anymore, but the one guy during this period who felt different and who felt like and was a performance center creation. Say his name. Say my name! <laughs> uh, Patrick Clark, uh, the Velveteen Dream. Mm. One of the performance center success stories should have been, yes. um, except for his uh, <coughs> pedophilia. Um, alleged. Alleged pedophilia. Alleged. Right. But... That was a guy who was not a wrestler, absolutely took to it, and was an absolute genius at it, and who did not feel like he was forced to do a like a ramped up, artificially yeah. enhanced PWG style match. Um, he always felt like his own thing, and that's the problem. Nobody in NXT feels like their own thing anymore. Uh, Adam, um, Adam Cole, what's his name? Patrick Clark. He did wrestle a little bit before, but to your point, it was pretty much a near ground up WWE, you know, creation. So he he so his character was different, of course. His his wrestling was different. And to your point, you know, we did uh, we did. I wasn't there. The halftime heat show from two thousand nineteen, I think. He's in the ring with Cole and. Black and and all all the guys that Ricochet Ricochet, um, and I re- I mean Ricochet is amazing, but like the fact that Dream was different and he wrestled differently uh, stuck out to me, even though you know all those other guys are amazing, right? And there's something to be said about a guy who isn't. And it's so weird to say the cookie cutter PWG. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, right? NXT was supposed to be new. It was supposed yeah. to be this idea that you didn't have to be the WWE style cookie cutter. You didn't have to be the Johnny Ace style. All right, we're looking for Mark Jindrax. You know, we want sure. guys who are six five and have a silhouette like The Rock, mm-hmm. who are college football players or whatever, and we're going to teach them to be wrestlers. Yeah. Like that was the WWE mold and NXT broke that by saying no we're going to have a Sami Zayn we're going to have a Kevin Owens but now the pendulum has swung too far seemingly yeah where even the guys who aren't built like Adam Cole mm-hmm. or Johnny Gargano or Roderick Strong are wrestling like Roderick Strong or Adam Cole. Yeah. You've got, or you had the 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 War Raiders now the Viking Raiders. Yeah. They're like doing that same style. Mm-hmm. So it just seems to me that everybody in NXT now is very much doing the same thing. Like I said, this, the pendulum has swung too far, and now the mold is just a different mold. But. What they brought to bear against AEW was this new mold, and AEW has multiple things going on, yep. multiple styles, multiple types of story, mm-hmm. and NXT failed to defeat it. Mm-hmm. The outcome is that Vince has lost faith 
in NXT. And now that it's proven that it can't beat AEW, all of a sudden all bets are off, and we have guys like Nick Khan and Johnny Ace and, and Bruce Pritchard and whoever else asking questions about, okay, well, we spent all this money on the Performance Center, and how what has it gotten us? Yeah. And the answer turned out to be not a lot. Yeah. A couple viable stars, and part of the problem is that they're not used well, but another part of the problem is it's almost like you took cooking classes, but then you order takeout all the time. It's like you know what I'm saying? You spent you spent all this time and, and money developing this this shit, mm-hmm. but then when it comes time to actually use something, you're like, I'm going to order a pizza. It, so post-mortem. A couple weeks ago, the report comes down that a bunch of changes are coming to NXT because they realize that this didn't get them a viable brand that could, that could compete against AEW. Mm-hmm. It didn't get them a reliable pipeline of new stars. It didn't get them a global feeder system. Yeah. So NXT ultimately did not do any of the things it was originally designed to do. Sure. And that's undeniable, unfortunately. It mm-hmm. gave us some great television along the way, but as far as the meat and potatoes intent of it, you can't call it a success, unfortunately. No. And because of that, big changes coming to NXT, allegedly. Yes. This supposed directive that we're back in Johnny Ace territory, meaning that tall, young, fit. If you're Mark Jindrak, give us a call. If you're Lucky Cannon or Jacob Novak. And it's 15 years ago. Yeah. Because those dudes are like 40. And you guys have kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those guys back in the mix. Mm-hmm. We're looking for tall guys. Ridge Holland, probably fine. Oh, yeah. I think he, he really gave, was given like a tryout. Yeah, Ridge Holland's probably fine. Dexter Loomis probably fine. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I think he's a little bit older, but he is like he's got, he's got the body. He's got the body. Like. So, my point being that it seems like we're taking steps back yeah. to before to where developmental was mm-hmm. fifteen years ago. They're looking for Batistas and Cena's and Randys. That's what that I mean. That's what's going on here. They had their little fun with the the indie guys, which. You know, there should be a... We'll talk about it another time, but, like, NXT uh, was it, the, the success it was, and they had faith in it because they had Brian Danielson and uh, in, in Punk as, like, proof positive, like, these guys can get over, not knowing that, hey, for anyone to get over, there needs to be some creative and, like, good faith there. Right. Uh, and if there's not, you think it's still get over... You know, the crowd to a degree, the yeah. crowd can rebel, but you still need to follow through with it. And and if anything, NXT has shown me is and main roster is that they don't follow through and they lose interest, and then these guys can't get over Ricochet, like the guy who is the, the most spectacular wrestler in the world. You know, I don't think that's like crazy to say. How do you how do you fuck that up? And again, it, it goes back to. You know, this question of, like, we're putting all this money into NXT, the PC. What has it produced? Well, it's produced a lot. It's just somebody fucked up. And, and, and it's fucked up for the last five years. And well, transitioning. NXT produced a lot of guys. The PC produced a fraction of those guys. Well, yes, because they fucking signed every... Like, they signed literally anybody. Yes. Not literally anybody. But so, there's, like, 200 people in the PC or some crazy number like that. What are you doing? How can anyone get better when there's classes of 50? Right, and you hear things like you have to make appointments with Shawn Michaels like months in advance or whatever, and you get to talk to him for five minutes, and it's like, okay, this is not how things were. Yeah. When, it was, when it was a class of 20 people, yeah. and you're hanging out with Dusty Rhodes all afternoon. Yeah. That's not what this is anymore. The The parallel would be... In AEW, they've got the classes like QT and Dustin and, and Jerry Lynn and whoever else where, like, Red Velvet, who is pretty much an unknown, you know, she's not the greatest worker, but she's really improved. Yeah. And for her level of experience, she's really good. Uh, uh, Tanara Conti, Tay Conti, who was in NXT, wasn't very impressive, goes to AEW, everyone's, I remember, like, I was like, why did you sign her? You know? She was in, uh... The the Mayon Classic, right? 
Uh, probably, but she was on NXT as well, uh, like proper, and they brought her in for the uh, the women's tag tournament, and she like you know she's been you know as a year ago, and now she's still here, and she's doing really well. So there's something to be said about having classes that are smaller, that are focused on maybe some of the extraneous WWE bullshit that you know they're being taught. Um, so we'll see. I mean. I think they should trim down the PC. That makes sense. They should get rid of talents if they're not using them. But the mentality of like why they should do this or the conclusions they've drawn leaves a little bit, little bit to be desired. All right, Scotty. Last question. Scotty, I like that. Does NXT exist in one year? In what fashion? Yeah. I guess that doesn't really answer your question. Uh, NXT will be on USA. Next August, 2022, I don't think NXT exists summer 2023. I think that's fair to assume that. And I also think NXT UK, once their deal TV deal is up, whenever that is, which probably will be 2022, they're gone. They're gone as well. Because the rumors are, on, on top of everything else, format changes. Yes. So you hear format changes, immediately you think, fucking game show. Yes. Here's... Here's Pat McAfee. Yes. He's sticking a microphone in your face and asking you to cut a promo about butt plugs. And we're back in 2010. What's up with you and mustaches? <laughs> I don't have a butt plug. I have a bigger butt plug than anybody here. I don't know why I'm doing Undertaker instead of Eli Cottonwood. He definitely has a butt plug, though. We done? We almost done? Yeah. Hey, you know what we didn't do at the beginning? Tag me in, brother. All right. <laughs> tag, tag, tag me out, brother. Alright, we're done.